I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and this man here is Marek Larwood. A new recommendation. Yeah. Not, not a recommendation, introduction. Yeah. New? How is that, how is that new? As opposed to, and as ever. As ever. Oh, I said this man here. I've said that before. I've definitely said that before. Oh. That's all right. That's all right. How are you, Marek? I'm quite cold. Cold? It is cold, isn't it? I thought, I thought spring had arrived, and winter's... Going, no, I'm, I forgot something. I just come back. I've, I've, had, I'm cold because I've had to shave all my hair off of what I've got. I've told you about this before, but, but uh, for uh, just some work I was doing to play a bloke, it's like an egg. I mean, that's why they got me in, and it's been spread out over three weeks. And he really noticed that even, even that bit, even if you're bald, mm. even that bit at the back of your neck. I think you get a lot of cold from A lot from of insulation there, there but... Yeah. Because that, that's where you bear the brunt of the wind, isn't it? That, it, even when men go... That's why I think... I, a lot of people say people are bald, you know, is it, as a negative thing. It's basically evolution. Yeah. So I've evolved. To a higher plane. Because uh, sp- uh, space aliens in uh, films and TV shows are often hairless, aren't they? Well, I think it's wrong. I think the ideal hair is the... You've got the bald. Most men are bald, yeah. and they still retain the hair round their ears and the back of their. That's true, like head. the the, uh, the Captain Picard look. Yes, I think I would prefer. I mean, I know genetics is against me here, but I think I would prefer to bald from the neck upwards and retain hair on the top of my head. Well, I mean, that is what you prefer f- aesthetically. Yes. But in terms of practicalities... I'd be cold. I've noticed having lost that area, insulation. Yes. Oh, I did catch... Uh, in fact, I caught a cold. You caught a cold simply from shaving your head? Well, I haven't had a cold for a year, which is quite a long time for me. It's a long time. And I had one, and I I am... I mean, there's no science involved, but I'm saying <laughs> scientifically... Scientifically speaking. 100%... Um, authority, not authority. Uh, 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 of your sample, yeah, hundred percent of them got a cold. I've got a cold, caught a cold from mm. that area. So next time you see someone, you think oh, I should just shave all their hair off. They shouldn't because that is that is why the, the human beings baldness is not bald over the whole head, but and keeps the hair. Very important bit at the back of the neck. Mm. Well, there you go. Oh, now before we start in earnest. I should mention that we are sponsored by HerFilmProject.com Whose uh, film project? HerFilmProject.com 
which is an organisation that helps people get their films made, basically. So, um, and spreads... Joy. Joy and happiness throughout the lands. So, if you uh, are interested in perhaps getting your film uh, funded or need help distributing it, or you just want to see what they're up to, then go to herfilmproject.com and follow Her Film Project on Twitter. All sorts of people. White people, black people, blue people, green people, yellow people, red people, dead people, French people. (laughs) That's the list. That's the list. If you're one of those... Then you're in luck. Go to herfilmproject.com. Right, good. This is about films. We've been to the cinema and watched some stuff on our streaming services, as is our want these Vi- days. Or videos. Videos, yeah, mostly VHS, isn't it? Do you miss blockbuster video? Yes, I really miss the whole thing. I really, it's, it's an odd thing that's exclusive to the things that are exclusive to a certain times. I was thinking about that, the 80s, you know, going to the video shop. The video shop I miss, Blockbuster I do not, because oh, Blockbuster not, not, already not. felt like a dilution of something that was already beautiful to just being no longer really needed, because Blockbuster was an entire shelf of the latest Adam yeah, Sandler film. I, it was just, an entire, I, I don't miss Blockbuster, I meant, I, I, by saying Blockbuster, yeah. I meant the old video store, because yeah, yeah. they were quite independent, I like the independent ones when they're all quite different. My uh, my cohort, my friend uh, Tom Tuck, friend of the show, uh, worked in a DVD store, video store equivalent, rental place in Edinburgh briefly, and I remember going in there and spending, I think probably just three hours, just chatting away and looking through all of the films, trying to find uh, the worst quote on the back of a film. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it was the the one we found amazing was Down to You, starring Freddie Prince Jr., being quoted as the best film of all time. He he gave up, didn't he, Freddie Prince Jr.? Well, he married Sarah Michelle Gellar. So once you've married Buffy, I mean, you've basically won life, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I don't know each of the own, I mean, I suppose. Um, We went to the cinema. I did go to the cinema, yes. I went to see... uh, the latest Marek antagonising instalment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Part 2 or whatever it's called Volume 2 um, which is uh, space opera basically Star Wars but sillier silly Star Wars silly with, with Star Wars sort of just sort of Tarantino like soundtrack of 60s sort of Cult. The soundtrack, I was slightly disappointed. The, the the device they have in the first one is that he's a child of the 80s who was abducted as a kid and he's not been back to Earth since. Mm. Uh, he, he was abducted the night his mum died. And all he has to remember um, her by and his heritage by is these cassette mixes that he had in his bag as a kid. So the first one, the soundtrack is all 80s songs, which gives it this kind of Flash Gordon-y kind of feel, which is they're going for with how colourful and preposterous it all is. And they find a second tape at the end of the first one, and so the soundtrack is supposedly from uh, that second tape in this film. The The soundtrack is actually less cool stuff. Like, the main song bits you know where they have like a battle to an 80s track or a montage or whatever are uh, ELO uh, Mr Blue Sky which isn't that cool. I do like ELO though yeah that's but quite, it's that's sort quite, of overdone isn't it it's ubiquitous well, that's, well yeah um, the uh, the chain uh, which Fleetwood is Mac. Fleetwood Mac mm. and 
Father and Son by Cat Stevens. So it's far less sort of bombastic, exciting 80s yeah. stuff. But anyway, this one is about the whole gang are back together again. And this one is about uh, fathers and sons, as that song would suggest. So it's about Peter Quill, played by uh, Chris Pratt, finding out who his father was, who turns out to be Darth a, Vader. a living planet. <laughs> Um, a living planet yeah it's complicated but it works uh, played by Kurt Russell more importantly it's Kurt Russell he'd be a good dad to Kurt Russell wouldn't he and you can see how he's a good choice of dad sorry I just paused because the cunt dog next door was barking but uh, I, you can see how he's a good choice as a dad of Chris Pratt as well um, and there's a load of cameos in this again uh, Sylvester Stallone crops up in it really yeah and Michelle Yao and uh, Ving Rhames it's uh, there's loads of people in it. That's not Buddy barking. That's the horrible dogs next door. Yeah, but he's remaining calm despite being disturbed by it. I'm quite impressed. He he has been recording this podcast his entire life. Even back in the absolute days, he was a tiny puppy pissing on their studio carpet. So he's he's quite good when we're talking like you, this. You enjoy. It. I bet Buddy wants to say what films he likes, but can never quite. Well, he can't speak English. No, he can't. Most other languages, he can he can speak. He doesn't. He doesn't watch many films. He occasionally perks up when there's a dog sound effect. Yeah. And he'll watch football a bit because there's a ball in it going around. He quite likes that. Oh, I see. Yeah. But anyway, this is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. It's more of the same. The story is very very flabby. Uh, like it's two hours twenty or something, and really doesn't need to be. Should be a ninety. And is it funny? Because I saw the trailer. It's and very no funny. funny. Oh, is it? Funny? It is okay. very funny. Yeah. My, I went with my brother, and he he actually put it perfectly. He was going. He said, "It's incredibly well embroidered," and he's absolutely right. Like as I say, it's quite a bloated story that could be a lot shorter and done better. But the details are lovely. In in the, they've clearly given their slightly shit script to some very funny people to just write funny lines in. So the jokes and the character. Uh, interactions are really fun and then the visual effects and everything are stunning and it's just it's sort of a feast for the eyes it's just this story going through could be you know basically 50 minutes shorter why would you go and see it then for the comedy yeah it's it's a fun adventure romp space opera thing you don't need to know anything about the Marvel Universe to enjoy this one it's standalone thank god so it's just about a, a man wanting to know where he comes from in a massive confusing glittery universe was it busy the cinema it was actually yeah it was quite busy, it was uh, quite busy. had they set it up for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 oh of course they've set more up but um, there's not I mean there's stuff they'll use and carry on and everything but no it didn't have that feeling of this is, you know, oh, this was only one instalment and that was a bit unsatisfying because come back for four more films to find out what happens. It didn't. It felt like a standalone sort of, we had something to do and they did it. Which do you prefer, Guardians of the Galaxy or Flush Gordon? Flush Gordon. <laughs> Just, it's more charming, you know. I think anyone trying to do Flash Gordon post-Flash Gordon is you go yeah you've you've done it and you're probably doing it slightly slicker as well but it's just not Flash Gordon is it I think Flash Gordon relied we talk about it quite a lot today yeah uh, the the actual cameos were great yes so Brian Blessed and Timothy Dalton are brilliant yeah um, and and uh, Max von Sydow and the all uh, 
I can't remember the name of the beautiful Russian princess. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're ex- they're see, all they very don't need, theatrical. They don't need all. The, they don't need the makeup. It's wider them. shots, isn't it? it? You you often get a sense in Flash Gordon of it, you could be watching a play at bits, like the uh, the duel on the rotating disc. Yeah, you could have watched that in a big theatre, you know, and you just see everyone. They're all posed in in like the directors worked in theatre first. Yeah. Whereas these days, it all seems like the DOP is doing all of the hard work whereas these were actors you know proper actors but just what they didn't need the, the CGI or the actual make mm. they didn't need the makeup because they are characters anyway and also you've got to say the, the Queen soundtrack for Flash Gordon is absolutely brilliant it is the thing The thing is I do enjoy uh, the CGI embroidery of a world you couldn't possibly realise just with you know sets and and makeup and costumes and stuff. It is very pretty what they're doing, but what is lacking from this film? They're different things. They're they're totally different things from different eras. This is very 2017, whereas Flash Gordon's you know of its time, um, and beautifully so. But what this film fails at, and that's the only. Uh, it, it's not that it isn't Flash Gordon. It's it. It fails at creating tension. And there's a whole bit in the middle that is supposed to be like, oh, this is they're all happy, and is everything happy? Ooh, something sinister's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. A very 1970s feel, actually, they're trying to get. Sort of um, Logan's Run kind of thing of, is everyone happy? This is a bit creepy, almost Verhoeven-esque. And they fail at it. It isn't creepy, it's just bland yeah and they the creating of tension they haven't managed in this it's all popcorn it's all bubblegum yeah what I found with the Garden Galaxy the first one I thought it was an alright film but I didn't like any of the characters particularly all the I didn't mind Chris Pratt and the Green Lady yeah Gamora but I hated the raccoon and it seems like Groot's now sort of stem sort of little kids. Sort of well, that like, Groot's uh, like Scrappy Doo, who's a shit character. Groot's fu- no, Groot's fine because he has uh, he, he's baby Groot now in this one because he's grown from a sapling again, and he's a different character. But he is quite funny because he's he's like a dog, uh, not Scrappy Doo. He's not like let me at him. Yeah, he's just a bit. He's a bit. Uh, doesn't understand and is totally selfish. He's got a bit of darkness in him, which is nice that okay. Scrappy Doo didn't. The the problem with the characters for me, once again, like in the first one, Dave Batista, the wrestler who plays Drax, is the funniest thing in it. He's really good, and they've they've written him more and more lines. He has loads to do because they know how funny he is. You're right, Rocket Raccoon, voiced by Bradley Cooper, is yeah, boring. Rubbish, rubbish. He's boring, and they've done. It feels like Bradley Cooper's people have been leaning on them to give him more to do. It felt very much actually like Halle Berry's character in the X-Men movies in the later ones where, because they're a big star, they're given more heartwarming plot to do and we don't care. We just don't care. So Rocket's got in a whole storyline and no one cares and it's boring. Um, Chris Pratt's a very likeable and engaging leading man. Because of the source material is my guess. I don't know much about Guardians of the Galaxy, how old it is, but the women are all still... Boys, will you stop having fun over there, please? Which yeah. is, I'm so bored of. So bored I'm of bored that. Bored of women. No, I'm bored of that being the only role. I'm bored of the Marge Simpsoning of all female characters. I think Marge Simpson's quite a complex woman. Well, she is now because we've been watching her for 25 years or something. But 
you know, it's it's that it is that trope of the woman's always the one spoiling the idiot man child's fun, yeah. and you know, it's uh, come on, shut up, shut up, men writing women. Um, why did you go and see it? I just enjoy these films. I, I, I am in. I'm sort of. I'm. I'm into it. You know, I'm, I'm happy to go and see, sit through another one of these and go. Oh, that's where it's going. That's interesting. Okay, okay. fine. It, they're fun enough. I like adventure. I like adventure comedies. You know, that's what I write as well. So it's sort of the thing I'm into. Okay. And this is the most. No one's ever done this before. A whole universe with this many films. I'm sort of yeah, fun. I'll go see these. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'll watch them again and again, but you know. I just feel like it's some sort of weird stranglehold on cinema of just one idea relentlessly pounded out over a series of six like Fast and Furious 8 there's 9 and 10 yeah but sequels sequels have existed in the you know in the past as well I mean Rocky got that far in terms of the numbers being churned out didn't it Um, it's I, I think what is actually happening is that people aren't going to the cinema as much because cinema is full of pricks so they would and what they get at home is now a lot better than it used to be it used to be there are you know four channels or three um, and now you've got you can watch exactly what you want to see from the comfort of your own home with surround sound speakers and a big widescreen thing instead of paying 20 quid to have somebody looking at their phone eating and talking loudly over your shoulder do you think as cinemas are so expensive now it means that the, the standard behaviour people are about to uh, will tolerate <laughs> is more strict. People, I mean, I don't know. It's a good question. I, I'm more I wonder if we're still you know, too was, British. You're fifteen quid, and someone's saying anything, and that's oh, that's fifteen quid with drinks and popcorn, and it's been ruined by some prick. I'm but there's two options here. You either sit there going, "God, I wish they die. I wish they die." Or you actually do the bold thing and go, can you shut the fuck up, please? And then, because we're British and we're not used to conflict, even if they are perfectly quiet for the rest of the film, you're still sitting there hoping that it doesn't kick off again and they don't say anything, and your experience is still ruined. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, maybe it's just not not for us. (laughs) Yeah. I just go in the afternoons and sit right at the back. Well, exactly, and then don't engage with it. And then look like a weirdo and hope no one sits... It's still incredible how... Uh, people will sit, you know, in front of other people. I've seen it happen to other. I think it happened to other people yeah. where they've been literally been sitting with me at the back, another couple, another couple coming and sit right in front of, them, yeah, right, yeah. right in front of them. And of course, other couple. I felt like I want to say for that other couple. They've, I know they're they're dicks. Yeah, Why is yeah. it some people are somehow, uh, you know, uh, attracted to sitting close to other people? What is that propensity? I don't understand it. Yeah, it does seem to be a blindness to other people's personal space. Yeah, it's disgusting. Definitely. Well, Uh, but this is why people are staying away from the cinemas. This is it. So only the behemoth projects that can have the publicity budgets to draw everyone in survive. uh, That's it. It, it, It's the. It's. I I blame the audiences over the studios for this. You know, there are. If you look on Netflix or streaming services every single week, and new stuff is there. There are. Thousands of films. There are more films than there have ever been. More films than people. Probably more films than people, ultimately, because films never die, do they? They're there forever. Yeah. So it's there's there's all that choice. It's no wonder the one big thing making all the noise is what people go, oh, I'll go see that then. Yeah, 
Poor films. Poor little films. Uh, how many Davies do you give it? Oh, uh, interesting. You know what? With the first Guardians of the Galaxy, I quite enjoyed the sort of the glitzy song and dance of it. And then I rewatched it when it was on telly, and I was just like, Nah, it's not that good, is it? I think this is a six. Six. It's there's really really fun bits, and actually they've managed to do the emotion very well. But as I say, they need some tension in there. They need some dread. They need to look at the darkness because otherwise we will get bored very quickly. You know, the jokes are brilliant. the The warmth of the characters is brilliant. They need some good women, but it's it. They sci-fi should have darkness in. Kill that stupid raccoon off. Oh, it's yeah. a good start. Yeah, the raccoon's not great. Oh. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed Drax. I enjoyed Baby Groot a lot. Yeah, it's fun. Um, they need John C. Riley back. He was good. He's not in this. Oh, he one. should be in everything. Yeah. Well, he's close to being in everything, isn't he? I mean. Um. Yeah. But that's right, it. Then. That's it. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I think you already know if this is the kind of film for you. <laughs> you probably didn't need to listen to any of that. Vin Diesel is still the voice of Baby Groot, though. That's quite nice. I wonder how much he gets for doing making just this go. Not... <laughs> you don't need Vin <laughs> Diesel. You can just pay some poor out of work a hundred quid to some poor homeless bloke. Yeah, but it's Vin Diesel. He's still doing it for a hundred grand for making weird noises. Yeah. I like Vin Diesel. That's weird they chose it. <laughs> yeah. It must be contractual. It must be. Well, if they've contracted him for like four films, you just go, uh, well, your character's a tiny child in this one. I'll do it. It's one of my four films. I'll do it. Yeah, for 20 grand or whatever. Yeah, you have to you have to go on the publicity trail for this, even though you were just in a voice booth for one day going, ah, I am Groot. You could, aren't <laughs> I am good. How much would you have done at the minimum that you would have done it for? To be in a film this big, Not for I would just be I would be set for life doing any tours or interviews or everything. I'd do it for free. Yeah. I am good. What about if you have to hold an old, old bloke's balls for just literally for ten seconds? Stan Lee's got some odd methods, hasn't he? Just got to cradle his balls for ten seconds. Look, uh, no, look, not doing that. Look into his eyes. Ten seconds, is it? Doing that for free is almost better than doing it for money. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not alluding to that's how people get work. Yeah, but there is a rumor that Colin Farrell. Really? Where? That's how he oh, did really? Work. Okay, okay. How he got what part? Um, all of them. All of them. <laughs> I mean, even when he's a big star and people will hire him anyway, he just goes for it. Yeah. Wow. He's so used to doing it. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like muscle memory, isn't it? I mean, that's just a rumour that I've heard, and I'm not saying it's, it's probably not true, so I would like to... Can I get done for that? Can I get done for Well, that? you didn't actually say anything. You just sort of mined it to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think it's time for this. Here's a letter. Hmm. Um... It's from Caleb from New Zealand. Okay, what's Caleb want? Well, can you say we'll refer to him as Caleb from New Zealand? What does Caleb from New Zealand want? Well, worst film plus question is the subject. Um, hello, uh, I should uh, say that he's written in there, and we do need some more letters because 
Well, I think I've probably lost some in the process if we haven't read yours out, but we're running thin again. Everyone's been writing in their worst film recommendations, which, thank you for those. Uh, we we are getting through them as well, but um, yes, if you've got any other questions, then back with it, folks. We're, we, we are running low on the in the old letters tank. Uh, so, Kodev from New Zealand. Hello, Fandanglers. Which Hollywood A-list actor or actress do you hate to watch despite them being credited as fantastic at their craft? Mine is Meryl Streep, who makes me physically unwell when I watch her. I just don't get it with her. I know I'm wrong. Worst film, Into the Woods. Total bullshit. Walked out after about seven minutes. I think it's hard to say a film's total <laughs> bullshit if you walk after seven minutes. A personal record. Wow. Thank you for the excellent podcast. So, he's called us an excellent podcast, so I would say he's a good judge. Oh, definitely a good judge of, of acting. Um, no, that's an odd one. I I kind of get Into the Woods. I've it, not seen in that. that. It's, it's, well, it's a Sondheim musical, so... If you don't like Sondheim, the way they sing is very annoying because, you know, with Grease and Rocky Horror and stuff, it, it's like pop songs, isn't it? Whereas Sondheim is like, I am this, I'm talking about this, nothing ever rhymes, and I just keep going like this, talking like this for ages. And, and for people who aren't really into it, it's like, oh, I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, Meryl Streep I do like, though. Anyone who... I just can't stand. I mean, it's. I've said it before, and it seems cruel. But Nicole Kidman, she just can barely move her face these days. I just don't it's really. The same. I've never found her sort of charming. It's the same thing for me. Nicole Kidman's the one I automatically. I talked about before that I automatically go for. Mm. There's also a guy who used to teach. He had acting school. That all the famous actors went to. It's called Levi something or other. Levi Roots, the inventor of reggae reggae sauce. No, not the inventor of reggae sauce. He's in The Godfather 2, I think. And I saw him talk doing a, a documentary about acting. And all the great actors, like Al Pacino, went to him. Right. And, um, Lee, sorry, and Lee, not Levi. <laughs> Lee Strasberg. Lee Strasberg. Okay, yes, yes, I know. And every time I see him in something he's terrible isn't he yeah <laughs> he is yeah I I haven't he's thought of he's the it. acting coach not the um, oh no hang on no he's not the person I'm thinking of now There's, you've reminded me of someone else though who I always think's terrible C- carry on carry so on so Lee Strasberg he's a big a famous acting coach I've seen him in a few things and I really hate his acting and he's been awarded just the you know I think you I think you went for the in Godfather 2 is his famous one he got a, a nomination for best actor in that. I've seen that, and every single time I see him and stuff, I think oh, I hate this guy. He's really just—it <laughs> looks like he's acting. The the guy I was thinking of, um, who is in those sort of Italian gangstery kind of things. Um, I don't think I hate him, but he always seems like he's doing a comedy bit, and he's is a guy called uh, Dan Hedaya who, um, hang on, you will recognise him from everything. He's in Alien Resurrection and stuff. This guy, he always looks like he's in a Leslie Nielsen film to me. Yes, yes. Um, He's the baddie in The Hurricane, which is, you know, that incredible Denzel Washington film about um, the boxer getting falsely uh, imprisoned. And he's just, it's like he's being followed by Inspector Gadget. It's really weird. He looks like he should be Inspector Gadget. Yeah. I mean, I basically picked the most acclaimed 
coaching <laughs> acting coach who's influenced the greatest actors of our time and I'm saying that he's my least favourite actor bring it on and I don't care what the repercussions are my Hollywood career is over before it's even looked like it might begin oh well, there you go um has anyone else uh, written in? Yes, there's another letter. Well, this is this, this relates to the film I am going to talk about. Right. I wish there was a better filing system in you know the Google Mail. Yeah. That's a separate subject for a separate <laughs> podcast. Maybe we don't even podcast that conversation. Maybe we, for once, have a conversation we don't broadcast. Oh no no no! <laughs> uh, name Adam Taylor. Subject tickled. This is how your emails appear to, to us. Um, did uh, actually why don't you read it out alright fine uh, Adam Taylor says dear David Marrick Buddy the dog oh Buddy the dog and fellow Fandanglers hopefully you have now finished with the dross of last week's worst films of all time episode and are ready for some more recommendations of films to watch on streaming sites I've just watched Tickled on Amazon Prime it's another one of those documentaries that is going to be difficult to talk about without giving too much away but needless to say it is absolutely brilliant it starts off as a whimsical documentary about a journalist from New Zealand discovering competitive tickling in the US and very quickly turns into something much darker. The real beauty of it as a film is not only is it a unique and compelling story, but the journalist, David Farrier, while essentially the central character caught up in all of it, is never an overbearing presence on screen, unless the cast of weird and wonderful characters tell the story themselves. As the story unfolds, it becomes almost like a real-life thriller, at times uncomfortable to watch, but never less than fascinating. I urge yourselves and your listeners to track this film down. I'd give it nine Adams. Keep watching the films. Adam from Manchester. Tickled. So I that's, saw this. That's, uh, we've had several people recommend this. Yes, uh, I think Michael of... Legg told me to see it as well. Michael Legg recommended it, and over, I think, I'm just looking up all the people who have recommended it. Um... Richard Bould has recommended it. Uh, also, um, Ben Golding recommended it. Okay. So quite a few. So I got round to seeing it. If you haven't haven't got Amazon Prime, you can watch it on. I think it was Google Play or YouTube for two pound fifty. Okay. I don't understand why some films, the HD versions, yes, four pounds, yes. And the standard definition is a pound fifty cheaper. Yeah, well, it's always the... go for the standard definition one. Well, I do, I do, because it's fine on a on a TV. You don't notice, no. Um, yeah. So this is a document. So what this bloke? I'll just tell you the start of it. What this bloke does is he's a reporter in New Zealand who just is a news reporter who follows strange news stories. And someone sends him a link, a YouTube link, about competitive tickling. His name is David Farrier. So I thought the whole thing is going to be about uh, watching people in competitions tickling each other. Yeah. Which is not what it's about. Oh, right. I imagine it just people laughing and being quite a comedy documentary. It's quite a sinister doc. Oh, really? Well, not doc. It's just sort of following... The Kate, uh, who is behind it, and the weird, without giving like too much away, how if you've got money, you can just do get away with so much and do so much weird shit. So this journalist called David uh, <coughs> Farrier 
found this footage of basically young men in, in just Adidas kit tickling slightly tied up and tickling each other until they were laughing right. and you just think this is really you know it's it, it just v- very really gay right <laughs> but it's a not, sexual thing yeah and he's I think he alludes to this fact that it's a sexual thing and then just becomes the target of of doing a report of it they the person behind the competitive tickling send a group over from America of lawyers to try and get him to pipe down. Wow. And he's trying to trace who is at the heart of this darkly sinister web of competitive tickling. Mm. So it's fascinating. It's a fascinating thing. One thing, <clears throat> my problem with it, I mean, this is a good documentary. I would give it I'm going to say seven Mareks because, as usual, I think uh, I everyone has really recommended it, and I thought it's going to be have that. It, it, it lacks the the. Uh, sometimes with documentaries, you can't really get a full story; you just have a slice of, yes. of it. So maybe it lacks that. And there's something I didn't read. They people said that David Farrier takes a back seat in it. I think he paints himself as whiter than white a little bit, the ju- the main journalist. Well, by taking a back seat, possibly. Not by taking a back seat, but he was just... Um, uh, some of his methods sometimes are just the way it, it, he filmed people for his documentary, even though they might necessarily be bad people. The way in which he filmed people was not... Was was not was complimentary. covert right, and not okay. not sort of the not really necessarily what you. I don't think he was whiter than white and this force of goodness, right? Because I didn't necessarily like his methods at times. I thought mm, this is a bit doorstepping and this is a bit uh, not letting people know. Like he greeted, for example, he greeted some people coming over from the airport with a sign saying "Welcome." And in cut in sort of gay sort of gay colours, um, and but his film was obviously filming this on a camera, and I thought you're obviously doing it as a way to get a reaction, and mm. you're not telling the people you're filming at the start you're just yeah, getting yeah. this reaction. I thought, well, that's not it, it's, it's entrapment in a way. Yeah, yeah, I felt like that. You know, he's not the bad person. What he did was good. You know, what I just there's something about it which made me think I don't know. I've got an inherent dislike of journalists right right <laughs> yes as a I, I suppose what we're doing is that we're, we're, we're you could say we're critics in a way but I hate us I hate myself yeah 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 and I hate you too well that's fine <laughs> and fully justified yeah <laughs> we, I, we both have great taste so I give myself free marriages <laughs> so I, I just think the act of journalism is a quite a weird thing isn't it to uh, I don't know. It's a separate conversation. It, yeah, but it, I know what you. I know what you're saying. There is something a bit desperate and needy about trying to force a singular narrative upon a complex reality that is a bit unsavoury. I just think, Jen. The more I read newspapers, and the more I, uh, I used to have a job. I've it was before working nights. Uh, reading lots of newspapers relentlessly and trying to get the facts and the Financial Times was the one you always go to for the facts yeah. 
and I was literally spend 12 hours a night watching <coughs> uh, reading newspapers with a night shift work rewriting all these news stories then I had a job this is before I started comedy while I started my comedy career watching all the news programmes and rewriting what they had to say and I think that journalism definitely has become more narcissistic in a way or more about the journalist yeah. and you watch factual programmes and if you see old uh, wildlife programmes the actual journalist and the presenter takes a back seat and it's about the animals yes. and now it's a lot more about these people wildlife there's one of some Scottish blokes in wildlife programme I thought just get the fuck off the screen I want to see yeah, the dolphins yeah. I don't want to see you talking about how much you're enjoying the dolphins I want to yeah. see the, the, the fish go yeah a documentary about how nervous you were standing close to lions that's not interesting just show us the lions I, I like the bit when they show you how they film it yeah of course but that's that's a separate programme isn't it it's why Attenborough is still so much better than any of the other nature documentaries I don't want to, I don't want to hear yeah, I don't want to hear per, see personalities when it comes to people presenting things and I do think the fact that David Farrier is he's obviously a good journalist but um and because it, it, he was targeted because he's he's gay and the, the person behind it but target that was really really bullying about that but irrespective of, of that I just felt oh is, is it if you want to do a really great documentary you need to take a, a step back and let the documentary well it's why uh, I enjoy Senna and uh, Amy so much because the guys who made those it's yeah. all it's just editing I mean it's a different thing you can't do every story like that because there's so much archive footage about those two people you can tell yeah. a story just with talking heads that already exist but well not being uh, fair to Dave Harris because it was about it was about him that's what right. he was targeted because of his homosexuality uh, 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 and uh, and really badly so by the by the people behind this yes. tickling so he he was a part of it I'm just saying that I don't but in general journalism and the, and the journalism I read and write it seems a lot more opinionated and a lot more well, it, opinion pieces have bled into all pieces yes I do think so yeah I do think so there's no, there used the to be a very straight distinction between this is an opinion piece and this is a a piece of journalism and, it, yeah. and they're now one and the same but the BBC the, po- the politics it's like watching the Laura Koonsberg show you know, she's all over it mm. all the time and I think this is what, I'm sure this wasn't they weren't so oh no they're, but they I mean this is another conversation again ter- I mean, I'm going completely off topic they're but- terrified of being shut down so they, they have a self-imposed bias towards the government it's very odd I, I have um, I, I just think that in journalism in general I wish we would return, and in documentaries in general, we would return to the uh, f- face behind the camera. I find it a lot more compelling. Mm. Yes. Then it's harder because you need to get all that footage then. If you've got someone narrating it, you can just go, just stand there in front of that building and just and do link, all the, do link all the to that thing yeah. we've already got. So that's why people do it. Yeah. And that's why other people just make crap shows on TV because they haven't got the money. They just go, just stand outside that castle and talk about him and walk slowly towards us so we can try and make sure he doesn't step out of focus. Yeah. That's it. But um, so I, I've gone wildly off topic, but I really enjoyed this. I think it's good. I give it seven Marics. Um, and it's on it's on net it's on Netflix. It's on Amazon Prime. It's not on Netflix. Okay, Amazon Prime. You can buy it. It's two pound fifty. Well spent. All right. Thanks for recommending it. Great. 
Great. Well, there's there's two films for you. That's probably enough for this week. If you'd like to write in, and please do, we're getting low on letters, then go to filmfandango.com and fill in the form there. Um, we also do this for free, so if you've enjoyed the programme, then why not donate towards our running costs? Again, filmfandango.com and click on the donate button. Everyone who has, thank you very much. I would also like to plug one thing whilst I'm here. Um, I'm doing swimming my, competition. Uh, my swimming competition. Yeah, Are you doing the, the swimming competition? I, I haven't done a swimming competition in a long time. Oh, I miss swimming. I bought some trunks uh, about four weeks ago because you miss swimming. Yeah, and I've not used them yet. <laughs> not used them. And some goggles. I bought goggles as well. Goggles. Uh, uh, when I went to the um, when I I used to go to the gym, I used to go swimming in the pool yeah. before they insist on having a lifeguard there. Even though it's a small sw- swimming pool. Why Why do you not go because there's a lifeguard? Because it was just literally... I like to go in and the whole pool is to yourself. Right. And there's something very odd about going down there and then there being like a, a bloke... Just watching you. And it's just you doing you. it. And it's really horrible. Okay, yeah. Well, maybe I won't go to... But go in the goggles. I mean, especially these overclocked pools that are full of kid piss. <laughs> you need those goggles. Yeah, well, also I wear contact lenses. Have to have goggles. Not good. Anyway, that's not what I'm plugging. I didn't want to plug swimming. Although, go swimming, guys. It's great. Um, is my uh, The other podcast I'm trying, Inside the Comedian, is recording its um, fifth and sixth episodes uh, on the 29th of May at the Bill Murray in Islington. And we've got Carrie Ad Lloyd and Margaret K. Bourne-Smith, who are both very funny people, two of my favourites. So, if you can come down, then please do. The Bill Murray on Monday, the 29th of May. Uh, but we'll be back next week with more films. Keep, Keep watching, watching the films. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.